what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our ongoing podcast series here on The Mesh, where we talk about the world of customer service, both how as businesses we can strive to improve the customer service we give to our clients, our customers, people that come into contact with our organization, how as staff we can work on improving that as well, as leaders, how we can try to reinforce that with our teams, and all the changing world of customer service with all the things like the web and the uh, technology and social media going on. How do we keep up with all those things as well? I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, and with me is my uh, ever, ever standing co-host, uh, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alan. How are you doing today? Doing just fine. Doing great. Good. Looking forward to talking today. Uh, although... Hearing the topic that we're going to talk about, it doesn't sound like the kind of topic that is a fun topic, although I guess the more I think about it, it's fun in that we get to talk about irate customers and maybe times that we've been irate customers ourselves. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so the, so the, we'll, we'll have a good time with it. Okay, well, we'll find, we'll find definitely some good ways to make this fun, talking about diffusing the irate customer. I guess the way to look at it is it's a lot of fun when we get to be on the irate end sometimes, looking back in hindsight. But uh, as, of course, you have those people having to deal with the irate customers – that's always the challenge. So we're going to talk a little bit about ways to diffuse that situation. And we'll get into that conversation here in just a moment. But before we do, I want to put out a special thanks to the company organizations that's helping us support what we're doing here on The Mesh. And we've got a sponsor for today's episode of Stepping Up Service. Again, it's the Greater Hickory Golf Classic uh, Tournament coming up on October 8th through the 14th. That's going to be held at Rock Barn Golf and Spa. That's really just coming up probably by the time people are listening to this show, Ed. That tournament will be going on or getting ready to start start going. But the good thing is, is that people can still buy one-day passes if needed. There are ways to get single-day passes if you're interested in coming down to Catawba County or Hickory, North Carolina, and seeing a great golf tournament a great classic golf tournament at the Greater Hickory Classic. You can come on down October 8th through the 14th, get a single day pass, come on out and enjoy the tournament. Ed, you know, I've swapped these stories. You know, you're more of a golfer than I am. Sure. But going out to a golf tournament is still a fun experience. And even though I don't know what's going on half the time <laughs> when, I, when I watch them, it's still fun to go see. And it's just a great environment. And the golf course at Rock Barn is just a gorgeous, gorgeous golf, golf, uh, golf course there for the tournament. So Great environment, great location. Hopefully the weather will be awesome. That'll be out there next weekend. I'm going to be out there for a day, just enjoying it while I can. And uh, should be a lot of fun. So Greater Hickory Classic Golf Tournament, October 8th through the 14th at Rock Barn Golf and Spa. Thank you so much for the support that they've been lending the last few months to our show. Okay, so Ed, with that, diffusing the irate customer, how do we need to start this conversation off? And and, and I'm trying to be as nice and passive as I can. I don't want to be the irate co-host here. I'm going to be as gentle as I can be and uh, letting you take it over and guide us on this conversation. Okay, well, I appreciate that, Alan. And I'll definitely give you several opportunities here in a minute to uh, show you what you might be irate about, upset about. But but uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into that, and then uh, we'll, we'll kind of segue into an actual technique you can use, a four-step technique that you can use based on the kind of situations we're about to talk about, based on the kind of complaints a lot of customers have, a technique that you as an employee can use when you are faced with somebody who's irate, they're upset, they have a complaint. And the technique we'll talk about is 
focused on getting the emotional level down to the other person, getting yourself mm. in control of the conversation, kind of moving the conversation along. So prior to us getting into the technique, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about these, uh, maybe some example complaints and scenarios and that sort of thing first. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, well, I'm going to start to kind of set this up just to kind of illustrate how we're going to walk through some sample complaints. Um, I I know you have young kids and and I'm going to bring up a book and maybe you're familiar with. Have you ever heard of uh, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Yes, I have. Okay. Because I actually have a 10-year-old whose name is Alexander. So we have a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. That's great. Well, the way we're going to handle this uh, identification of sample bad customer service scenarios is we're going to write a hypothetical book uh, as our starting point. And it is going to be called Alan Mm -hmm. and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Customer Service Day. So are you ready to have uh, a walk through a terrible customer service day, Alan? Um, yes. <laughs> he says with hesitation and a question mark at the end. I think so. I'll okay. tell you what, though, Ed, what I love most about our show is over the course of these episodes, I've had not only a game, but now yes. a book designed yes. exclusively around me. Yes. And that's very exciting for me. So now I get a book. I'm, I can't wait for this. Well, well, we like to make it all about you, Alan, so that you enjoy these experiences better. So we, we do what we can. <laughs> Great. So, uh, well, uh, I'm going to run through five different examples and, and uh, putting you in the position as a customer. Okay. And I want you to tell me, give me an example of one or two things, uh, just real briefly, that you might run into as an issue. One or two things that in, in this circumstance you might want to complain about. So, so, so let's say you woke up during this uh, during the week and. Uh, for whatever reason, you took a day off, you had a bunch of errands to run, a bunch of things to do, and you're actually able to get a day away from work or at least part of a day away from work. And you really needed to knock some stuff out. So you had okay. a whole list of things to do. The very first thing you had to do when you woke up uh, is to cancel your cable service. Uh, you're switching cable providers and you wanted to cancel your cable service. So okay. you actually had to contact the cable company to cancel. But what are some of the things? the issues you might run into or what are two what are one or two things that you could envision yourself complaining about if you tried to cancel cable service well i know in most cases i'm going to be put on hold for a good while uh go ahead and kind of be prepared for that i guess uh being a put on hold and probably one of my bigger frustrations even too is knowing that i'm probably going to get handed off between multiple people over mm-hmm. the course of that long phone conversation maybe having to repeat my information several times uh probably having to go through a lot of hoops and hurdles to get that service uh, canceled maybe i have to go through the the computer automated voice that never seems to take me exactly where I want it to go uh, to the point where I have to scream operator over and over again as much many times as I can to get out of that automated computerized voice into a real live human being. All those things, I'm already feeling my blood pressure start to rise a little bit. So okay. I, I hope you get the sense of it. <laughs> yes, I do. And so, so that was your first experience. First thing in the morning, you pick up the phone, you're on hold a long time, multiple transfers, repeating what you had to say computer voice to deal with. But yes, you did eventually either get the cable service canceled or uh, you, you decided to deal with it later because it was just too much hassle. Right. So, so you're on to your second activity today. And guess where you have to go? You have to go to the dreaded DMV. Oh, okay. Wow, you you're just to, you're getting you're starting to pile it on here. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> now you know why it's called Alan and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad customer service day. It is living up to the name so far, but go yes. ahead. Yeah. So you have to get your license renewed. What What are some of the issues that that you might run into, or some of the complaints you could see yourself having? Well, there again, I, I know to expect a line. 
It's going to be a long line, and I'm probably going to have to wait there a lot longer than it seems I should have to wait there. Generally, now I can't speak for every driver's license office, but generally it's more of a, you know, when my number's called up, it's a big flashing number up on a screen up at the counter, or I also get my name yelled out across the office when it's my turn. So it's generally, I, I've I tend to feel more like cattle when I'm at that driver's license office or places like that than anything else. So it's just a frustration of waiting and having to go through a very menial routine task that takes a lot longer than it really should. Yeah, well, that that, that is spoken like somebody who's had to get their license renewed several times. So th- yes. those are great examples, Alan. Thank you. Uh, well, well, you eventually get through the DMV and you're hungry. It's around lunchtime. So you decide to go get some fast food. Okay. And uh, as you're driving away from the DMV, you see a fast food restaurant restaurant and it's called Tony's Tortilla Barn, where their motto is, we really do use beef, honest. (laughs) So you get to experience Tony's Tortilla Barn. There's a marketing genius at work somewhere in there. (laughs) So So, uh, what what are some of the complaints you could envision yourself uh, coming away with uh, at Tony's Tortilla Barn? Oh, it's complaints I can even attest to having even just recently. It's uh, a, again, a common theme I'm talking about, long lines. I've just mm-hmm. come to expect long lines at a lot of these places and taking longer than I think it should. I don't like having to yell my order over a, a loud, the loudspeaker intercom system and having it repeated back to me several times incorrectly. Or I have to repeat myself several times because they didn't hear me the first time. And then we get to the actual counter and either they mess up the order or it takes too long, or the food is uh, not hot and ready. It just normally, I can imagine, not a very pleasant experience. I actually had one of those even just last night, so wow. it's very fresh on my brain there. Wow. So how was Tony's? Was the quality of the food okay at oh, the tortilla barn? Yeah, well, uh, there again, they, they promised it was meat, and I'm going to take their word for it. It okay. looks like it was some form of meat substance in there. So, um, okay. yeah, it, it sounds like it was one of those choices I had to make because I really didn't have any other choices around. And uh, I've already gone in with a very low expectation of quality at that point. So. Yeah. Well, well, you got through the fast food place. You're kind of eating the food on the road, but you're, you're trying to do it in such a way that's very safe from a driving perspective. Sure. Because you're on your way to the next location. You get to uh, drive down to the local municipality because you have to get a permit. Okay. You are uh, you have a 27-year-old deck on your house, and it's not going to make it to its 28th birthday, uh, and you need to get a permit for a new deck. Okay. So what kind of issues or complaints could you envision yourself having at that point? Well, um, I guess going to our county city officials to get the permitting done. Again, prepping myself for probably a longer than necessary wait. A lot of paperwork. I'm sure something with that. I'm expecting myself to have a lot of paperwork to fill out. Probably putting the same information on multiple forms, which seems to be something that a lot of places require these days. Generally speaking, and again, I can't speak to specific people, but just in my head when I think about this kind of experience... I generally think of people that maybe don't have necessarily my my service and the expediency of my experience at the front of their mind. So mm-hmm. in other words, I'm on their clock. I'm on their schedule. And I just have to wait my turn and follow the instructions. And I'll get out of there whenever they say I'm ready to get out of there. Okay. Well, eventually you do get out of there and you don't have the permit, but they promise one's coming. You, you, you filled out all the necessary paperwork multiple times, filling out the same information and you finally get home and it's uh, getting a little bit late in the day and you open up your computer to, to check your email. And you remembered that you have a couple screws on your monitor, uh, on your laptop. 
that have come out, and and now your monitor starting uh, to to pull apart a little bit. So you actually have to order a couple small screws, order a couple parts for for your computer, and you have to get on the phone with the computer manufacturer. Uh, to try to order these screws. So what, okay. what kind of complaints or issues would you envi- envision yourself running into? All right. So calling to get computer supply parts repaired or, or some replacement screws on things. Exactly. Um, a, I, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of questions about is the computer under warranty? And if it's not, it's going to be uh, a problem or they can't do the, the whole screw replacement. That would be the first thing running through my head. Then the fact that I know, again, I'm going to be on hold and passed along through multiple people. Probably just trying to get little screws replaced on a monitor is not going to be a top priority for the company I'm calling. So I may have a really hard time getting to somebody who can actually help fix that problem. So I'm already prepping myself for a very, very uh, elongated process there. Hopefully I can, you know, the person I'm talking to is familiar with my computer model and can look it up pretty easily or at least be very knowledgeable about how the screws I'm missing are going to be used or replaced. Um, Yeah, all that. That's I'm actually picturing a lot of bad scenarios out of that one. So okay, well, well, at the end of this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad customer service day, you you actually have gone and at least attempted to cancel your cable. You got your license renewed. You you can still feel the rock in your stomach that was that burrito at Tony's <laughs> Tortilla Barn. Uh, you, you got a promise that you're going to get the permit for your deck, and eventually, somehow, some way, you did get those two screws ordered for your computer, Alan. So congratulations. Somehow you've made it through Alan's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad customer service day. Now, what we're going to do in just a minute is kind of transition to the role of the employee who had to deal with Alan or somebody like Alan who just had to deal with all these different process issues or customer service issues or quality issues. And that customer is irate. They're upset. They have a complaint. And we're going to talk about what's a good technique to use uh, to, to diffuse the irate customer. Okay. All right. That sounds good. I think we can get to that here and we'll do that in just a second. Is it okay if we take a quick break? Sure. Sure. Okay. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll get to hear the employee side of Alan's. Uh, help me out with that again, Ed. It was my terrible, horrible, terrible, horrible, horrible, no good, very bad customer service day. Okay, good. Got it. So that's, uh, we got to hear the worst possible day I can imagine in my entire life spelled out for me <laughs> in, a, in an eight hour window of time. And so now we're going to hear a little bit more about if you've got me as an irate customer, who's already not looking to dealing with these things and going through these motions, how do we deal with those people on the flip side? We'll be back in just a moment after a word from our uh, sponsor and a little bit about the network. You're listening to stepping up service. We'll be back in just a moment. Calling all golf fans. Don't miss your chance to volunteer for the 2012 Greater Hickory Classic, October 8th through 14th at Rock Barn Golf and Spa. There are over 18 different committees to choose from, including walking scorers, caddy support, and television, just to name a few. For more information on volunteering, visit us at www.greaterhickoryclassic.com or contact our tournament office at 828 828- Four five nine four thousand. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder: you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. 
Hello, we're back with Stepping Up Service. Again, I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, and with me is Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Uh, before we get back into our talk, just a reminder, if you want to learn a little bit more about Ed Gagnon and his company, Customer Service Solutions, you can visit them at cssamerica.com. That's the uh, acronym for Customer Service Solutions, CSS america.com and i'm at the jackson group which is doing a uh employee customer satisfaction surveys for a lot of organizations that's the jacksongroup.com so ed we're back with our we just finished up the story in the first half so i've gone through a pretty horrible day several situations of, of encounters that i never look forward to and it doesn't take me a whole lot in those situations to make me a very irate customer whether it's waiting on the phone too long whether it's not being treated like a human being whether it's frustration of just trying to get a simple thing done. I'm, I'm a pretty testy customer all throughout the day. And then what do we do at that point? If I'm on the, if I'm on the receiving end, if I'm the employee in these situations and I've got to deal with somebody like me sure. throughout this horrible day, what, what do we, what do we need to try to help these guys do? Well, well, those are uh, great questions. And in terms of what you do in these situations, first of all, uh, you, you got to realize that it, it dealing with the irate, the upset, the complaining customers a lot easier if you can get their emotional level down. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to walk through a technique that talks about how do you actually bring down the emotional level of somebody who's irate, they're upset, that they have a complaint. How do you get a little bit of control of that conversation so you can more quickly and easily move it toward a solution. So we're going to run through a four-step technique, go one step at a time, and and this is a technique that you use in these situations. And this is actually a conversation technique. So it's not just, hey, hey, hey um, here are four key principles. It's literally how do you navigate the conversation. It's uh, okay. based on the acronym LEAD, mm-hmm. L-E-A-D. All right. Uh, and the first step is listen to the customer. Okay. Listen. Right. So, so Alan comes in and he's upset. He's been transferred three times by the cable company or he's in this really long line. He feels like cattle being herded at the DMV or, or, or maybe he's uh, in a situation where he's asking this uh, computer person uh, on some call center far, far away uh, about a screw and, and that person doesn't have any idea what kind of model he has and hasn't had this question before. And he's, you know, Alan's irate and upset about all the paperwork that he's had to deal with having to repeat himself multiple times. First thing that we suggest that you do as an employee is to avoid the urge to argue, avoid the urge to interrupt. Just kind of let the customer go, let them vent a little bit, let them get it out a little bit. Alan, how, how do most adults respond if you allow them to vent a little bit? What what eventually happens? Well, eventually they kind of cool themselves down a little bit, or at least right. they, they get it out of their system, right. and then they can start to talk maybe a little more rationally. Right. Um, now, of course, I know the the occasional person that if you give them the chance to rant, they're going to rant forever. Sure. But most human beings, I think, are the, are going to be the ones that, you know, you just kind of let them go and they'll eventually wrap themselves up or at least come to a point where they're able to talk a little more clearly and, and professionally with you. Right. And, and what we're suggesting in this first step is just kind of let them do that. Let them go. Let them vent a little bit. Maybe they'll settle down. Maybe uh, they'll calm down a little bit. Now, the second thing that you do in, in this first step is that when you do start to talk to them, you start asking them a series of questions. And you're going to do this for three different reasons. The first reason is that their response is usually going to give you some information, you know, about what the real issue is or, or what a potential solution might be. So the first reason to ask questions is you're going to start to learn some information. Mm -hmm. Second reason to ask questions is I know a lot of people think if a conversation has taken place uh, between two folks, whichever one of the two is talking the most is generally all of the conversation. But, but in most conversations, if one person is asking a series of questions, the person 
person asking the series of questions is generally the one in control of the conversation. Hmm. Now, now maybe, maybe the other person's still doing more talking than you are, but by your asking a series of questions, you are the one starting to determine what the other person is talking about. You, as the person asking the questions, are, are starting to determine what direction the conversation's going. If so, I can, so this, yeah, go, sure. If I can just interject one thing on that, Ed. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I see that a lot. If if uh, if a customer service person or somebody at an organization starts asking me good questions about my problem, that, that's that's key for me. I've got to hear that. I don't want to hear automatic canned responses. I don't want to hear uh, you know, uh, roadblocks on any front. The only thing I would caution people about on the asking questions is you make sure it's not questions that have already been answered either earlier in that yes. person's rant or on paperwork they just filled out 10 minutes ago or anything else. People really don't like having to repeat a lot of things. But I think if the questions can be really geared towards wanting to learn more, like you said, more about the situation, uh, that, that does put you in control of that situation. And I think it overall calms even more down the irate customer. Right. And that's actually a good segue into the third reason to ask questions. Because if you ask the right kind of questions like you're talking about, it actually will help to bring the level down. Now, we, we were actually doing some uh, customer service training for a city government client. This is probably 12 years ago now. And, and we broke the class, pretty big class of 30 folks up into groups of three. And in each group of three, you had somebody playing the role of the irate customer griping and complaining about something. You had somebody playing the role of the employee who was using this technique. And then the third person was the evaluator. And they were basically watching the employee so that at the end of the role play, the evaluator could tell the employee, you know, you did this great. You could have done this a little bit better you know, just giving the employees some feedback. Mm -hmm. And we immediately started watching the group that was in the left corner of the room because the guy in the left corner of the room who was playing the irate customer was a big, loud, obnoxious guy. And his arms were flying and he was raising his voice and he was ranting and raving. And, and eventually all the other role plays in the class stopped and everybody was just watching this role play in the left corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we, we started to think, you know, how in the how in the world is the employee going to deal with this guy? And what the employee was doing is basically just making eye contact. And a, once in a while he was nod, but he wasn't saying a word. He was just mm-hmm. letting that guy go. And then all of a sudden the employee said, now, now, did that happen on a Tuesday or on a Thursday? And then all of a sudden you could just see the customer stop dead in his tracks. And he said, well, I, I. I, I think it happened on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and he tried to go back into his complaint, but he had lost a lot of steam because in the middle of all this emotion and all this upset, all of a sudden he was forced to answer a logical question. And it's just very, very difficult to maintain emotion and maintain upset and, and to think and respond logically and, and factually at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, so the third reason to ask questions is if you ask the right kind of questions, you're just going to feel the emotions drop. I mean, right. ask those a versus B questions. Was that Tuesday or Thursday? Was it was that the morning or the afternoon? Or, or ask for a fact or a figure. You know, if they say they've been transferred multiple times, ask, uh, well, well, what phone number did you call? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's been a long way, well, well, what time did you arrive here? Uh, you know, if, if there have been a lot of questions uh, because something's under warranty, well, can you give me the model number? What's the account number? Uh, you know, w- when did this take place? If you can ask for a fact or a figure or give them those A versus B options, it's forcing the customer to think logically, factually, 
uh, objectively. And it's just very difficult for folks to maintain emotion and to think and respond like that as well. Huh, interesting. Well, I, I, yeah. I'm thinking through in my own head, my own past experiences. And yes, I can totally see that being the case. You know, yes, I've had my few times where I've gotten a little bit in a rant and I get to just go off on uh, an employee for, uh, for some reason. And uh, normally if, once I'm done, I'm done. But I do know that if they've asked me some questions or get me to think a little bit more about the situation and give them some data, that normally does – it diffuses me, but it also gets my brain pointed in a different direction. It exactly. makes me start thinking a little bit more about the situation as opposed to just how mad I am. Right. Yeah. And when, when we say to ask these kind of questions, we're saying not to ask questions like, um, Alan, can, can you tell me how you feel inside about all this? <laughs> so not to play the psychologist or anything, Don't right? Don't do that. Yeah, okay, no. I got gotcha. you. Because then you're asking for emotions, and we're trying to keep emotions out of it. So mm-hmm. uh, the only other point to make in this first step after you let them vent, you ask those objective questions, is that try to avoid saying things like, hey, calm down. Oh, yeah. You're wrong. You don't understand. We don't do this. I mean, if you start saying things like that, how do most adults respond in that situation? Not very well. So yeah. normally they get even a little more irate at points. Exactly. Uh, you know, especially it's one thing if it's a uh, two family members or two friends and one tries to tell the other one to calm down, but these are pretty much strangers talking right. to each other, grown adults. Nobody likes to be told by somebody else in a position where they're going to try to have something resolved that they just need to calm down. Exactly. Um, that's not going to do anybody any good, unfortunately. So, so that's the first step in the process. Listen to the customer. Let them vent. Again, we're trying to convey in this technique that, that you want to make sure you're getting the emotional level down. The rest of the conversation will be a lot easier if you can do that. Great. That sounds very, very, uh, sounds very straightforward. Good. The, the second step is to empathize with the customer mm-hmm. and, and think about how these conversations start. You know, oftentimes they're coming in and arguing. And if you argue back with the customer, you know, that's just going to keep the emotional level high. Or if they come in arguing and you keep interrupting them, that's going to keep the emotional level high. Or if they come in arguing and you just sit there with a blank stare, and like you're a brick wall, that can tick a lot of customers off as well. Uh, So the idea in in the second step uh, to empathize with the customer is to do what that example employee was doing that I suggested earlier, you know, make good eye contact, uh, once in a while nod, just to show you're trying to be understanding, you're trying to be receptive. Uh, You know, you might totally disagree with the main point, but if Mm -hmm. if you can just show that you're trying to be understanding of it, you know, that that is very beneficial to get the emotional level down. Sure. try Try to make some kind of empathy statement like, you know, I, I could see how this could be frustrating or I, I can understand how you could be upset. The, the idea is that we're trying to make sure the customer doesn't feel like they're in a fight. They don't feel like they're talking to the brick wall. If, if they feel like you're trying to be empathetic and understanding, it just helps to get the emotional level down a little bit. Well, I think the, the key phrase you mentioned there I really like is the uh, I understand you're upset or I understand why you're upset in this situation. The key thing, I think, to even expand on that, though, is making sure that employees don't ever feel like they have to make excuses for their for their uh, company or exactly. try to cover up things or try to badmouth the company saying, yeah, I know what you mean. That's always been a problem here type of thing. But there's ways to do it. And I think your phrasing was right on the whole, I understand you're angry. I can understand that that's frustrating to you. Basically you're, you're telling them, yeah, I get it. I understand you're upset. It's not saying that we're at fault as a company for what happened. It's just basically saying that the situation was probably frustrating to that person. And you're acknowledging that. Right. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. And that, that's a great way that you phrase that. I mean, you definitely, 
uh, get some bonus points with a typical customer when you're empathetic, but you don't want to get to the point where you're, you're saying something like, you know, you're 100% right, you know, we, we stink at that. You know, right. you're 100% right, our services stink. Because the last thing you want to do is to confirm some negative conclusion that the customer has, but yet you still want to be understanding. So you can be understanding by being empathetic without being understanding by by confirming that, yes, their negativity about your company is 100% correct. Now, Ed, let me ask you just a kind of a situation, an example sure. in this situation. Uh, we, we live in the South. Uh, uh-huh. People, There's a lot of people very, very friendly in the South. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people that like to just be uh, very happy and perky and just are very good Southern people. So how would you advise the the employee that maybe has a little bit of a tendency to be almost a little too sugary sweet in trying to empathize with somebody? I'm almost picturing somebody he's like, oh, oh, no, that, oh, oh yeah. that's so uh, that's so tough. I know what you're right. talking about mm-hmm. or or even kind of. The nervous chuckling a little bit that some people do a yeah. lot when they're faced with a little bit of a tense situation and they kind of sure. just try to chuckle it off a little bit. Yeah. I mean, is it, it, what do you do in those situations or how do you try to work with that? Yeah, well, that's a great point. And, and that's uh, really getting at the difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. You know, a- empathy is trying to understand the other person's situation or trying to be understanding uh, of their feelings. But but sympathy is when you uh, get to the point where you're saying, you know, oh, you know, I, I feel bad I, for you. I feel your pain. You know, I know right. exactly what you're going through. And mm-hmm. and most people don't want to hear that level of sympathy because you don't know exactly what they're going through. You don't mm-hmm. know exactly what their situation is. You know, th- think of this analogy. Think of the man uh, who's in the delivery room with his wife and she just gives birth and the man turns to his wife and he goes, honey, I know exactly what you just went right. through. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, she doesn't tried, want to hear that. I tried to say that after our third child, and that was not a good response. <laughs> not. No, it isn't. And thank you for that personal uh, testimony sure. there. Yeah. Uh, and sorry to hear that. But uh, but but basically, you don't want to be overly sympathetic because then you can sound insincere. People don't want to feel like uh, you know what their issue is is not that important that everybody has to deal with it. To them, it's very very important, and being understanding of their emotions is okay. But but telling them that you feel their pain or you know exactly what what they're going through, you just run a little bit of risk that you can tick some folks off by being too sympathetic uh, when, when maybe it doesn't warrant that. So that, that's how you mm-hmm. overcome that. You, you just try to educate the employees on the difference between a very positive, uh, very effective, empathetic statement versus the line that crosses into you trying to be too sympathetic with the customer. Yeah. And I know for some people that's going to be tough and they may feel like they're having to be a little more, a little more robotic than maybe they normally are as an individual. Um, but I think there's something to be said for, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly that way. I don't like somebody telling me, Oh no, that's oh, that's so bad. I'm so sorry about that. My gosh. I, you know, almost like just feeling like, you know, they're trying to console me on the, the loss of a loved one or something. And that's not what I'm looking for. I just want somebody to acknowledge that. Yes, you're upset. I understand that that could be a frustrating situation. Let's focus right now on how we're going to fix it and not not just dwell on our pity on the situation and have a, just swap stories on it or anything. Right. And I guess a good word just to kind of wrap up the second step is sincerity. I mean, you you don't want to be so robotic in your empathy that you don't sound sincerity and you don't want to be so gushing with sympathy that, that you, you don't sound sincere. So just try to, be understanding, good eye contact, occasional nods. You know, I, I can see how upsetting that can be. I can see how frustrating that can be. There, there's something personal about it, 
but it, it's sincere. Don't go overboard with it. Got it. Okay, great, yeah. great points there. All right, what's next on your list? Uh, the the third step in lead is uh, accept responsibility. And, accept. Yep. And this can be a tough one from, for some folks because in this third step, you might have to say, I'm sorry, mm. or, or you might have to say, I apologize. And I, I know personally, you've said in other podcasts, you don't have a big uh, personal concern with saying, uh, saying, I'm sorry, or I apologize. But, but why do a lot of people have a problem with, with saying, I'm sorry, or I apologize? Well, saying you're sorry or apologize, a lot of people, I think, equate to, I, I am now, I'm at fault, and yes. I did something wrong. Right. Which I think we've talked about before that, you know, sorry doesn't have to mean, yeah, it was all me, my bad type of thing. Right. But I think that's how normally people just equate it to. If you say you're sorry, you're basically feel like you're copping to wrongdoing. Right. And it's interesting because the examples you came up with, the computer voice, the multiple transfers, the the, the long lines, the, the numbers on the board at the DMV, the, the loudspeaker with issues – the redundant paperwork or or you know, having this this issue with uh, warranties. I mean, none of those were the employee's fault. Sure. So it doesn't really you know make sense for the employee to say, hey, I'm 100% responsible for this. I'm sorry. It's 100% my fault because the vast majority of the time and the vast majority of businesses, that's just not true. But, but there are plenty of times when the customer does deserve an apology. I mean, if they've been transferred three times – they deserve an apology. If if they had to wait uh, at the DMV for an hour and a half to get tested, they deserve an apology. If they have been routed multiple times or had to fill out the same uh, information multiple times or uh, couldn't get that need met uh, in terms of the, the people they talked to or the processes that they went through, that customer deserves an apology. But, but sure. you as an employee didn't cause a problem. Right. So how do you apologize without taking personal responsibility if the uh, you know if the, the customer truly does deserve an apology? And, and one way you could say it is to use this kind of phrase on behalf of like um, on behalf of the organization, I apologize. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry on behalf of our department. This is just not how we typically do things around here. Now, now, if you say on behalf of you're accepting responsibility on behalf of that computer system, that process, that coworker, that policy. So the customer gets the apology they deserve. But but you personally don't have to take uh, any personal responsibility. So that's just one example of how you could say, I'm sorry and feel comfortable about it. That's good. And, yeah. you know, and I'm a, I'm a believer too, that, you know, if you really think about what it is people are saying when they say, I'm sorry, you are sorry. You, you feel sorrow for what they're dealing with. You feel yes. sorrow for what has happened, but you can be sorry without it being taking responsibility. Um, right. The words "I'm sorry" have so much impact and make people feel better about a situation that they're going through themselves. But you know, I think, like I said before, it's just unfortunately our society has gotten to the point where it's a pride thing to say "I'm sorry." Uh, we don't want to do that because we feel like that's implying guilt on our behalf, and that's just not at all the way it's intended to be used. I think hearing "I'm sorry" is is a good thing and something that I want to hear from a customer service rep where I've basically explained where there's been a problem, but it's almost like you're saying, I'm sorry for your frustrations and I'm sorry for the experience that you've, you've had without necessarily saying that, yeah, I'm sorry that we have a horrible system that you're trying to use here or something like that. So yeah, I'm sorry. I think is a lot more powerful and not as damaging to an individual as a lot of people like to think. Well, that, that, those are great points, Alan. And actually, uh, just one other point on the accept responsibility step, and and that is, you know, sometimes you're dealing with a customer who you can tell they are not going to settle down until they hear those magic words, "I'm sorry," but you're not sure that they deserve 
to hear the magic words, I'm sorry. In other words, they pretty much cause their own problem. Mm-hmm. So, so how could you say I'm sorry uh, and not even take any responsibility, not even on behalf of the organization uh, for what happened? And you gave some good examples. You said, uh, for example, I'm sorry that happened. Or you could say, I'm sorry you experienced that. Or, or I'm sorry you're in that situation. You know, it's almost like making another statement of empathy yes. when you say something like that. If you just focus on the situation, uh, try not to say something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Because mm. believe it or not, that ticks people off. Well, it you, does. Well, you made me it feel does. that way. That's right. Well, and nobody wants to, basically, I imply from that when somebody says, I'm sorry you feel that way, that's basically a roundabout way of saying, we're in the right, you're in the wrong, and I'm sorry you screwed up, you know, exactly. kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I, that's a very good point. I, I don't think that's effective at all. And, and, and the key point in this third step is you, you got to find a way that you personally are comfortable with to say those magic words because some people are just not going to settle down until they hear you say, I'm sorry or I apologize. So, you know, I'm sorry you're in this situation. I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry you experienced that. Those are absolutely fine ways uh, to apologize to the customer. Okay, good. Well, there again, I, I know we've mentioned this in a past episode before, but those two words, the I'm sorry, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame that we just have such a hard time swallowing our pride to say those things, but um, it can be extremely effective as long as it's not used in a condescending manner or to somehow turn the fault back on the customer automatically. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And the fourth step is just to deliver on the remedy, whatever that remedy is, whatever that solution is, you know, make sure that you're doing what you said you would do. And and sometimes, especially employees in in a lot of different organizations, they might identify the solution, but they don't have the authority to actually implement the solution. You know, it has to go to their supervisor. It has to go to their manager or director. And if that's the case, as an employee, you still want to go through the first three steps of lead, listen to the customer, empathize, accept responsibility. So that if you do have to hand off the the customer to your supervisor, you're handing off a customer that's not so irate. They're not so mm-hmm. upset. And you're probably able to give your supervisor some real specific details as well. Well, and I'd like to even expand on that example a little bit, too, with the whole delivering on expectations. I know sometimes in organizations, it's tough for the employee, that frontline employee, to be able to make absolutely sure that those expectations are being delivered on or that issue is being resolved. But in the studies that we've done on customer satisfaction, and this is primarily in the healthcare field, looking at patient satisfaction, what we've did, we ran some tests to see what levels of employee satisfaction had the most impact on how the patients uh, rated their experience. In other words, if an employee felt a certain way, which of those areas had the most impact on whether or not a patient had a good positive experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the top areas has to do with, when an employee feels like that they can initiate action to change things or to fix things when necessary. If an employee rates that high on satisfaction for their own job, the chance of that patient having a much better rating of their own patient experience is much, much higher. That's really interesting. So the idea is that like king off this whole deliver thing, it's a, it's a, it benefits on both sides. If employees can know that they can make things happen and they can say to an irate customer, you know what, here's what we're going to do to fix this situation or here's what we're going to do to resolve your frustrations and knowing that they actually are empowered to do so. That customer is going to feel so much better about that outcome. The last thing a a customer wants to hear on the phone or in an exchange is the employee say, well, let me see. I I might be able to do something with this, but I I don't know for sure. There's a whole lot of people I got to talk to and and, and there's a whole lot of changes to go up. But let me see if I can fix something with this. Customers don't want to hear that. I think they want to hear the, tell you what, we're going to get right on this and we're going to take care of this and this is what we're going to do. But that employee has to be empowered to be able to do that. That system has to be in place to allow that to happen. 
Right. And, th- and that's a really interesting point. It kind of reminds me of a national study that was done on customer service that related specifically to service recovery. And one of the key findings from that study, and this was a retail-oriented study, but one of the key findings was how important it is to not only resolve complaints, but to do it fast. Mm-hmm. And if you have yes. employees empowered to do it, it, it has a big impact. The study basically looked at retail establishments and and said, what's the likelihood that a customer, if they have a complaint, will go back to that business again based on how the complaint was resolved and how quickly it was resolved. If a customer has a complaint, they voice it, but it's not resolved, they only had a 29% chance uh, of getting uh, of going back, buying again from that business. Mm-hmm. If the customer had a complaint and it was resolved, but it was slow, uh, then they only had a 54% chance of going back. But if a customer had a complaint, they voiced it, and it was resolved quickly, there was an 82% chance of resolution. Wow. So that kind of gets back to your point that it's not just to resolve the issue, but if you can empower your frontline staff, those who are there at that moment of truth with that customer to resolve it on the spot, you have at least a 28% higher chance that the customer will come back, that the word of mouth will be positive, that that you're going to retain that business for the longer term. And Ed, this all goes back to even past episodes we've talked about where it's all about sometimes the processes that a company has in place. Because, you know, you could be that frontline employee taking that irate customer. And if you say to them, you know what, we're going to get a replacement out to you tomorrow and make sure that it takes care of this problem. That employee needs can only say that if they know that the systems are in place to do that. Yes. Uh, last thing they want to do is give an empty promise and not have the system backing them to make sure you make that happen. So it's making sure employees are empowered to get those things done. That's an organization responsibility, but also making sure the employees are not over-promising things just on basis of what they think that the customer wants to hear without knowing that the system's in place to actually do it. Right. And that's interesting to bring a process because when you were get, coming up with your example complaints, I was writing them down and I wrote down about 18 or 20 and probably 14 or 15 examples you came up with were process or system related. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a great point. I think, you know, what I, I think is interesting about complaints and when you're an irate customer is that, yes, the, the the attitude or personality of the people you talk to is what is the easiest to talk about and rant about and share with your family and friends. Sure. But I would say for me anyway, most of the things that really stick to me and make me the most frustrated in those situations are process ones. Mm-hmm. You know, if the, if the process goes really smooth, even if I've got a really cruddy person to deal with on it, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of annoyance, but I'm going to come out better than the other way around, having a faulty process, even if the person is super nice trying to deal with me on it. So I think the process still outweighs it, at least in my mind. But it is funny how we always relate the personality and the words that people use and the way they handled us. That's the things we normally will spread around in stories and tell our friends and family about. So it's just kind of interesting. I guess those are a little more juicy and fun to listen to story-wise. Yeah, look, look at this employee and how they treated me. They that's were right. so disrespectful. Yada, that's yada, right. Yada. Even uh, if so, the entire process was flawless and all that, that's still the fun part to talk about with your friends. Exactly. So, yeah. so, so in terms of how the technique uh, works, again, it's four steps. Listen to the customer, empathize with the situation, accept responsibility, and deliver on a remedy, L-E-A-D. And, and so the way you think about it from, from a conversational perspective is uh, the customer's coming in, they're irate, they're upset, they have a complaint. Just kind of let them go. Let them vent, let them get it out, and then start asking a series of questions. If you ask those A versus B questions, 
was that Tuesday or Thursday? If you ask for facts or figures, it'll give you information. It'll give you control, and you'll feel the emotions start to drop. Then, then say something like, you know, I, I can understand. I could be frustrated. Um, uh, I'm sorry you're in this situation. Let's see what we can do about this for you. Mm-hmm. So you don't ignore the emotion. You push through it so you can more quickly move to a solution. Perfect. I love it. And it's very easy yeah. to remember. It's a nice four-letter acronym. Perfect, because we love acronyms right. around here. We deal with them all right. the time. So it's <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, I tell you, Ed, you took my horrible, no good, rotten, whatever the name of that day was. Something uh, like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. You took that day, and even though that I would never, ever want to go through a day like that again. All right, let me just put that on the record. <laughs> I need to space those little things out one at a time. I don't need to tackle all four or five of them in the same day. Exactly. But if I ever did, and I think if the people on the other end were following this lead process, uh, at least I could get through that day and I'd be able to go home and still have a, a little bit of a smile on my face or at least feel a little bit accomplished and not feeling the need to pour a stiff drink necessarily right at the end of the day. So uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's the hope and, and, and goal for all this anyway. Right. That's what we hope for, that the customer handles even the or the employee handles those situations so well that that maybe the customer, they they won't go home and call your supervisor or maybe they won't badmouth you to to friends and family. Instead, they might actually talk about, you know, I had to deal with this terrible process, but let me tell you what this customer service rep did for me. Mm -hmm. Or I had to deal Mm -hmm. with this awful situation, but, but let me tell you how this employee helped me out. So if they do talk about the situation, if you do a great job from the employee's perspective, maybe it'll actually generate some good word of mouth for you. Perfect. Well, that's what we're all shooting for with all this. So yes, great. Thank you, Ed, so much for the information there. Defusing sure. the irate customer. Great feedback, great information, great ideas there. Uh, again, Ed Gagnon is with Customer Service Solutions. That's at cssamerica.com. Uh, they've been working with all different types of companies and industries on helping them improve their customer service approach, reviewing their processes, reviewing systems, training, evaluations, everything to make sure that your organization is delivering the best customer service it can. And and making sure that's hitting the bottom line for your organization as well. And I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group doing a survey work for employee and customer satisfaction surveys at thejacksongroup.com. Uh, just a reminder, you've been listening to The Mesh. This is our network of podcasts dealing with a wide variety of topics all the way from entertainment to sports to business to music. We've got a lot of different categories in the mix, a lot of different shows on the network. You can visit us at themesh.tv to see a whole list of all of our shows, check out recent episodes, and even dig back into the archives a little bit and check out some of the older shows uh, or older episodes. In the case of Stepping Up Service, we've got a nice library of back episodes that they never expire. You can go back and listen to any of them you want to. Uh, It's still all really good relevant information and discussions on a variety of topics relating to the customer service world. So we invite you to go check those out. Give us some feedback. If you hear a topic you really liked, feel free to leave a comment on the website, or you can can send us an email directly at info at themesh.tv. Let us know if there's maybe some thoughts or subjects in the future that we can try to tackle. We'd love for, to hear from you on that front. Again, that's info at themesh.tv. Same as the website, themesh.tv. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Ed, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. You too, Alan. All right. We'll look forward to talking to you next time. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. 
Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.